Yeah. We're right side up and everything as far as anybody knows. <laughs> it's happened twice. Yeah. We're an hour and a half, people are looking at this. Jai Ma. Can't come together. Oh, Om Mangalam Guru Devaya Devi Matriksha Mangalam. Mangalam Bhakta Brindevyo Sarva Lokaya Mangalam Om Stapakaya Chadarmasya Sarva Dharma Sarupine Avatara Varishtaya Ramakrishnaya Mangalam Om Sarashiva Samarambam Shankarachara Majamam Ashmarachara Prayantam Vande Gurum Paramparam Om Guru Brahma Guru Vishnu Guru Devo Maheshwara Guru Devo Param Brahman Tasmai Sri Guru Devamaha Ganesha Sharada Guru So continuing, I think maybe top 23, 22 or 23, our series on our um, introduction to Kali Puja, going through the um, uh, Definitely going larger than the small Kali Puja book that we publish, and also going, although, although everything in there is covered, just more elaborately. We're going through uh, uh, what we do here at Kali Mandir daily, and what we do on Amavasha, what we do on special occasions. What we do on special occasions, Amavasha, Shama Kali Puja, is more than we're describing also. Each, one of the, each of the sections that we've described can be done very simply, more elaborate. You can keep, each section can be expanded almost, almost, not indefinitely, but almost indefinitely, you know, you can do so much. So we're, we've been going through, I mean, this is a very old, um, ghee stained and kumkum, <laughs> now it's actually missing a few pages, so, <laughs> so hopefully Ma doesn't mind if we leave out, a, we may be forgetting a few, few pages of her mantras, um, hopefully we're trying to reprint uh, a cleaner version with the corrected mantra because this this version we put together I don't know how many years ago many many years ago and so we've done some corrections so even I'm using an old version so even what we're doing now may not be exactly what we're but this is good enough to understand the basic the basis of the Kali Puja and so where we're now in the last couple of weeks or three weeks I think two weeks we've gone through we're going through the Kali Dakshina Kali Dhyan Mantra the, the description the meditation description visualization description of this particular form of Kali that's worshipped here at Kali Mandir, Dakshina Kali. And Dakshina Kali is a form of Kali that we've gone through the last few weeks, just to cover a little bit, uh, that's worshipped in the home, it's worshipped by householders, worshipped by the right-handed path, worshipped um, uh, um, uh, also known as Shama Kali, there's other there's another form, uh, it's good to mention that's also a form of, I think we have our picture, is Adya Kali. Adya Ma, there's a temple in Dakshineshwar village called Adyapit. 
And um, there's a series of miraculous type of stories where Ma appeared in the dream of a visionary uh, saint named Anada Triyanada Thakur and said, I'm, my image is in this pond somewhere, come get me. And so the story goes, he went to the pond in the middle of the night and they found an ancient, beautiful stone image with, I think, emerald eyes or something very beautiful and took a photograph that we have on that wall, <laughs> on the side wall there, uh, there's a picture of her called Adyama. And then, then by the description, of, but also by further visions and, and dreams, uh, Ma told the saint to put her in the Ganga. So to a tremendously heart-wrenching scene where, you know, people are saying, there's no way you're going to put her in the Ganga. <laughs> Even he said, I'm not putting you in the Ganga. And she appeared in a very fierce form, to, trying to scare him into obeying. He said, I'm not scared of you. You can do whatever you, you can show whatever you want. I'm not putting you in the Ganga. But finally he agreed. And then years later, she appeared again and gave him instructions to build a new temple. And so that's Adipit. That's also, that's a very popularized form, especially in modern day Bengal. Uh, of, of the same known Adyama, the original primordial goddess, but also the same Rupa of the Dakshina. I think she's the same Rupa, I can't visualize her just now, but I think it's the same position, sword and hands and the like, uh, um, as Dakshina Kali. <coughs> so Dakshina Kali is also Dakshina. We mentioned the right foot forward, it's emphasizing the right hands, which is the boon giving hands of more auspicious side of the of the dualistic equation that Ma presents um, uh, like this. I was thinking, because we have, I have, of course, we love Kali and we like images of Kali and we collect images of Kali. And nowadays, you know, in the, old, in the olden days, when we started, you know, there's only a few books of like tantric art. Ajib Mukherjee had some books. These are scholars and, and adepts themselves and their lifetime research collecting art, right? Their curated books with context, right? Scholarly comments, right? From his private collection and from museum pieces that he collect, that he photographed like this. So these beautiful pieces were presented, curated with context. Now all those pictures are now available, are posted as memes on Facebook with stupid statements, usually misattributed to Rumi or something like this. You know, it's amazing what people use these pictures. It's okay. I mean, Ma's images are everywhere, which is great. I mean, for me, I go off, save, right-click, save, file. <laughs> so I have, I have, I probably have, I don't know, six or seven hundred ultimately of these, every known picture I can find that I've never seen before. So they're an interesting collection. I, I find it an interesting study, right? But very few are really that good. Not necessarily not good as art. All, many of them are good as art. Some, it's hard to judge from thinking what's good as art, you know. There's different styles. There's cartoony art, there's superhero art, there's poster art. There's, but, but as iconography, they have limits. Not many of them are that good. To start, they don't follow, many of them don't follow the, the Dhyan Mantas, right? And that's fine. People can visualize, you know, we have all, you know, Haley... Goswami has painted these beautiful pictures of Sri Ramakrishna, right, in the different leelas. We visualize, oh, it described, although it's taken, they're not imaginary. There's the scenes where he did this and he was walking here and described, so he's, we painted, it's not just one picture, not only this picture of Sri Ramakrishna, right? We can, we can visualize him moving and, and singing and talking to people, right? So we can visualize Ma and all the, doing all these different things, right? And that may be very beautiful. But <clears throat> at the end of each Dhyan Mantra, there is um, a pulse duty, the benefit of of this practice, of our practice, and we usually don't think we usually don't think so much about 
the results of a practice, and we shouldn't, and we're also taught not to think much about the results of practice, but they're included for a reason, right? So you sometimes a, 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 a practice will give a long series of pulsity uh, verses that describe one who does this gets this, 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 this. Sometimes it's just trying to convince people to do it. Usually it becomes famous, handsome, women and men love them. You know, sometimes it's quite ridiculous the things that listed as the benefits, right? Because uh, uh, voice becomes like a, like a poet and you know, all these type of things. But, and maybe it's just that. Maybe the, the, these, the, these practices have that result. The sages who revealed these practices gave the results also. But even a dhyan sloka usually has like half a line or half a ver- or quarter of a verse. Um, so I'm going to jump to the end to remind ourselves what the, dhyan- what the pull of Kali Dhyanam, meditating on Kali in this way, is described. Evam sam chittait kalim. I'm giving the last verse before we get there. So. Okay, you don't have to attend the last class if you don't want. You already got the gist. Go to the movie on Saturday. It's <coughs> Evam sam sam chittait kalim, one who thus contemplates, meditates, chittam, uh, contemplate, meditates upon kali. We've described how the chitta takes on the form of the image. We described why that word's used. Dharma kama artha siddhinam, one attains dharma kama artha and siddhi. So that probably means you know you usually think of dharma kama artha and siddhi means dharma kama artha and moksha. Right, that's a common, the four goals of life, right? These are often given. So what it means is that whatever, not whatever, uh, whatever, which, whichever of the goals of life one wants, one can attain by this meditation, right? The other forms of ma, beautiful, maybe they have great benefit, right? But we don't know, nothing wrong, but we don't know that the result of meditation on that form is not known, right? It could just be for our own Devote our own personal devotion and contemplation. That's why, that's why I collect these pictures. I like to see what how people have thought of thought of her, right? But this form, we believe, was revealed to a sage, Krishnananda. We talked about from, from this Tantrasara, right? He prayed, as you described. What's the form, Ma? You're worshipped by tantrics, in 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 in, in, in initiatic lines, uh, in the jungle. Right, you know, but you should be worshipped everywhere. Which form can be worshipped everywhere? That everyone can worship you. You're the mother of everything, every of everyone. So should we believe she revealed this form along with this last line? Because that's what really what people want. We want we want of course we know there's not a talk on the four goals of life, but what are the four goals of life? Dharma kam, kama artha. These are usually think kama artha. These are these are most the most common goals of life. Kama means to fulfill our desires pleasures of, and happiness in this world, the natural pleasures of this world required. And uh, artha means wealth, right? It also means prosperity, security, uh, and, uh, and what comes from this is also power, ability, sati- also they're connected, satisfy your desires, like this. So this is what we want. We, I mean, we have a body, we have a society, we're born into a family with our karmas and our duties. We create new karmas and new duties. We accept karmas and duties. So that's karma. That's karma and artha. But Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, triple are the gates to hell, right? Uh, karma, right? Uh, 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 lust, anger, and greed. That's what he says, actually, right? So lust and greed, that's karma and artha. And anger is frustrated lust and greed. That's the definition of anger, 
right? When your when your desire is for, is so desire. So how is it that that two of the two of the two of the goals of life presented in the Hindu scriptures and in this mantra are the ways to hell, right? <laughs> Obviously, we have to take it a little bit. You know, I'm not going to be heavy-handed on this. What it means, it has to mean something. This is why in the list is dharma kama artha. Dharma means righteousness. It means duty. It means rest- uh, 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 religion. It means it means there's no simple definition of dharma. We have to know. But da- artha and kama led by dharma, right, does not lead to hell. What does it lead to? Maybe not directly, but indirectly to moksha. It doesn't take away from moksha. If our ultimate goal is freedom, spiritual freedom, liberation, enlightenment, this is the way it's phrased in certain schools of, 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 of Hindu thought. It could also be living forever in Vaikuntha, living, with the, uh, living in the presence of God, becoming, uh, 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 realizing one's eternal uh, companionship with God. And union. There's so many ways to describe it, not just liberation. But whatever moksha is, the, the ultimate goal, the freedom that one is searching for, Right. If led by dharma, by dharma can also lead to, we can go through kama and artha also, mm-hmm. right? And fulfill our desires and fulfill our duties. So that's a general general thing. But here actually it says dharma kama artha sid, siddhi, attainment. So whatever moksha is, whatever attainment one wants, it can give attainment. And so there's I was remembering yesterday talking to one devotee, in the Kalika Purana, important Shakti Purana, there's a mantra that says a statement said. One who says, Kalikaye Namaha, I bow to you, O Kali. Right? Then moksha is already in their hand. Right? It's already, already have moksha. The fruit of that is already moksha. Right? And then it says, What to speak of, of, of Kama, Artha, Moksha, and the rest? Dharma, Kama, Artha, and the rest. And with any other goal. Anything is attainable, but the highest goal is also attainable. Right? This is the, the thing. So this meditation on this particular form, this way of meditating, this form that's revealed, is a way we believe the Divine Mother herself revealed to the mind of a purified saint uh, and the consciousness of a sage to be given to the world. One of the ways, many, there's many such mantras. Meditating on this in this way, one could attain the highest goal, what to speak of other goals, legitimate goals. Right? Uh, so so uh, the, that's why we're going through this mantra a little carefully. Right, we're not only just as one who meditates, could be just visualize one who visualizes this form, but chinta means contemplate, right? Deeply think about it. In puja, we yes, we we hold a flower and we think and we chant Om Karavagora Muktikeshan Tadut, but we chant the mantra and hopefully maybe we meditate on the form. I have to admit, I usually say the mantra. I say them. I meditate on the mantra, not on. I don't have a very visual mind. I have, a, I have to stop in like four arms. And you know that, that you know I, I say it. Saying it also is a way of, you know, uh, visualizing it. I visualize it by saying it, not by. I don't have a very visual. Maybe I have really good visualizing minds, you know. And there's some schools of tantra. Actually, one of the considered a specialty of tantra that it's strongly uh, visual. It uses visualization quite a bit. Images quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But. But we should also, I think it's exactly contemplate. We've, in the very first day of our mantras, when we sit, the Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Param, when we're sipping Om Vishnu, Namo Vishnu, Namo Vishnu, we're sipping water purification, it says, clean or unclean or every condition, if one remembers the lotus eye Lord, one becomes clean and pure inside and out. Apavitra Pavitrova, Sarva Vastanga Topiva, Yashvare Pundari Kaksham, Sabhayam And we point it out, it's good to remember because it's 
everything's based on that first mantra. Um, one who remembers the lotus-eyed Vishnu becomes clean and pure inside and out. And I have to admit, usually, it doesn't say, unfortunately, one who chants this mantra becomes clean inside and out. The mantra is telling you what to do. It's telling you remember to stop. If you have, you should then stop and remember the lotus-eyed Vishnu. Hopefully, by saying pundarikaksham sabha, you know, by saying the, the, the uh, name the description, should put your mind to him. Right? But it's the remembering of God that makes one pure and impure. Not the chant of a mantra saying to remember God makes one pure and impure. <laughs> right? So similarly, this is contemplating, deeply contemplating this form, this reality being presented, revealed, hope, we believe, by the Divine Mother herself to a sage for the benefit of mankind that's, or humankind. This is the way it's come down. The way, this is the story of the Tantasara also. He prayed for this, for this form to come to him that we could all benefit from. So we should think deeply about in this way. There's many other ways to meditate on Ma, right? And 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 maybe some of them are very powerful. Usually they require other there are other mantras that describe them, and other lineages and other initiations, right? And and they have their own results for the right person. So we're describing this uh, this uh, particular one, and so it's using. I'm going a big big because we're we've been weird things we're saying: garland of heads, dripping blood. Right uh, and and soon she'll. I mean, it gets gets. That's not that's not the most shocking thing. The fact that she held a severed head and a garland of heads. Right, the image gets more and more radical in a certain sense. Right, and so so we're saying that this is um, uh, this is a type of iconography. When when it's a mental iconography, visual iconography, and iconography works on religious principles. Right, has religion everything in it. In, when you look at an icon. We look at an icon of the Virgin Mary and the, well, the Virgin Mary holding the infant Jesus, right? So I look at them, I love, I happen to also collect pictures of the Virgin Mary holding infant <laughs> Jesus. I have another file <laughs> from Facebook <laughs> collecting versions. Usually it happens around Christmas time, you get a thousand uh, 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 Orthodox icons, which are so beautiful, right? And they're beautiful, and I know it's incredible, and I see I get the religious hit from it, but I don't, I'm not trained into the language of Christian iconography in the same way that we're trained in Hindu iconography, right? But I remember years ago, Abba George gave a talk on, the, on, on and, he, and he mentioned, you know, like the way her hand is pointing, the way Jesus is looking, where how his hands are pointing, all these, the proportion between his head and her head, and all these, the, the size of Jesus's mouth compared to his eyes, all these things have meaning, right? To somebody who knows how to read that, right? You know, uh, uh, so it has, but it has, in a certain sense, an accepted language. This word, if you know the language, like anything, we have an accepted language. I'm speaking using words and letters and like that. We have an accepted set of roughly equivalent definitions, although we probably don't mean the same by any word I'm using, but close enough that we can, that we can, I can, we have an accepted usage of the language. So you can understand what I'm saying. So similarly, this image of Kali has an accepted language. The, the images, the, the, the arms, the positions of, the, of, of uh, the way her mouth is going to be, what she's, you'll see just now, the next thing is about her, her beautiful dazzling earrings. We'll hear about them, very interesting. Uh, um, <clears throat> they, 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 we, have to, we have to know what, what they mean in a certain sense. There's also a chance that what we think they mean is not what they mean. We mentioned this last week also. Maybe it's all, we're just... We are looking for meaning in things that may not have, or we may be in our deeply in our deep search to find some way of making sense of this crazy image, 
right? We may attribute meaning that's not there. That maybe it's not the original intended meaning, right? Mm. So that's another thing that this is, but that's also, I think, one of the powers of symbolic language and, and Dhyan mantras are not just icono- in the natural sense of iconography, right? Because it means, this means this. That's the way iconography means. Like an example, you see a, a classical Orthodox Christian image of Jesus as an adult, right? He has a very small mouth and very big eyes. That they're, they're not, it's not meant to be like, here are these beautiful paintings, they're realistic, right? So you, you, the glory of the artist, he realistically depicted Sri Ramakrishna, right? If you make him with really small mouth and really big eyes, it becomes weird. It's not our style of painting, but these, why is that? Why would, why would they paint it that way in, in Krishna iconography? It shows a lack of sensuality and tremendous wisdom and perception. That's a very simple thing. That language means, you know, it's like, uh, so it has a, has a direct, this means that. That's the way a lot of times these things work. But with the Dhyan Mantras, it's that and not that at all. Because everything that, everything that, rep, everything that means something, it doesn't mean that, <laughs> right? Because as we, one of the things I've gone back to again and again in our discussions, especially on the Kali Sasalama, is that it, we're describing not what we know. And the sages also aren't describing what they know. They're describing their, the mystery. right? Everything is being described as something that's beyond mind. We can have an idea, oh, he's uh, lack of sensuality and tremendous wisdom. What does that mean? I mean, we don't know what that I mean. We have our own, you know, that's a, that's a crazy thing to say, actually. You know, and a lot of damage has been done by this, this one idea. Right? You know, social you know, people have guilt and all those type of things based upon, well, I don't have, you know, it's like, you know, we, we use this language, it's okay to say that, and, and that's what it means, and, it, and the power of the icon is, uh, delivers that message, that teaching, right? But it's about something that's mysterious, not something that's, not that's, it's not known, it's not known, not described, it's Sri Ramakrishna's, his great, I think this is his, uh, our theological uh, um, presupposition, our foundation, presupposition is, that Sri Ram, that God has never been what God is has never been spoken, right? He says this is the only thing that's never been uh, polluted by touching the lips. In Hindu culture, something that touches the lips becomes unclean, which it which is in Jut, right? He says God, nobody's ever been able to describe what God is. He's never been God's the only thing that's never been made unclean. Yet we speak. He himself spoke. We have volumes and volumes of Sri Ramakrishna's teachings. The only he never stopped talking about God. Right, the scriptures never stop describing God. These mantras are describing God. We met. We're 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 constant. We're the, uh, uh, some some are God obsessed. They only talk about God. Right. It's not that that's wrong. Right. We're talking about something that's beyond talking. It's beyond description. So these images, although they mean something, they also they mean what they really mean is beyond what the uh, the. The mathematical, this means that, you know. Although we have to know some of that, and we're describing that, but it's meant to, to convey the mysterious. The way I've always described it, the way some sadhus have described it to me, that, that um, what, the, what the experience of the saints are, and the mystics are, is, is one thing. They bring their mind way down into the world of seeming language and duality and image and form and, and causation and logic, and they just try to describe it. They can describe it through philosophy, Right or poetic description, uh, uh, poetry, image, right, uh, technical, uh, philosophical description. There's all these ways ways to do a yantra geometrically, right. Uh, uh, but whether what are they describing is not 
ever the thing. You know, what's that? I like I think of it a lot. What's that? Uh, this is not a, a, a. This is not a pipe. Let's see. Let's see. Who's the author? Who's a rope? What is it? Rope. Rope. Yeah, yeah. There's a. You've seen that. There's a famous painting of a pipe, oh. and it says, "This is not a pipe." <laughs> to me, this is very. This is to me. This is theologically and philosophically spectacular. This, this point. Even if I'm missing the point, I may be missing the point completely. I'm not. A, I don't know if I'm about it. But because why is it? It's obviously a pipe. It's a painting of a pipe. I just said it. How is it not a pipe? Anybody know why it's not a pipe? Because it's paint. Because you can't smoke it, right? You can smoke pipes. You can't smoke a painting, right? It's the exact opposite of a pipe, actually. So, so while it points to a pipe, it's not a pipe at all, right? Even these images, they point to something, but they're not the thing. But there's another mysterious thing. They are the thing, <laughs> right? Uh, they, uh, this is the mysterious thing about mantras and the mysterious things about dhyan descriptions is that they're not the thing, and they are the thing. Like the, the, the word pipe, or painting of a pipe, is not a pipe, you can't smoke it, right? So in, we, we've used this example, I learned this from Swami Atmagyanananda from the Washington DC Vedanta Center. He's the Swami that built the black shrine of Mahasitsan, so we have a deep connection to him. But he, he, he gave a talk on mantra one time, and he says that if you were to, um, like, the, like the word clay, is not clay. It's a word that points to clay. Now, if you make letters out of clay and spell clay, it both points to the idea of clay and it's clay, right? That's the mysterious thing. So mantras are, of course, that's true of everything, but especially of mantras, that they, they, they partake of the thing being described, although they're not the thing being described, right? So it's a very mysterious thing. So these images, although it's describing a mystery, it partakes of the mystery. And therefore, the same Abbot George, this one Swami we know, who's an Orthodox priest and a Hindu sannyasi, unique combination yeah. uh, uh, in the three worlds. Um, he, made, he, he, he one time said that, that uh, uh, God's names and God's forms are not names and forms, right? Because names and forms are by definition limitations or descriptions and descri- like that. But, says, but they're actually God's names and God's forms are God and God's absolute. Now, he's not being clever. He's being very careful in, in that statement, you know. So we're meditating on these. So there's a, there's a language of iconography where you, you're doing this means this, maybe, right? But it points to something beyond itself, and it is the thing. So by meditating on Ma, we're contemplating aspects and, and some, some teaching. There's teachings behind her image. It says something. It reveals something. It's a way of thinking about something that's beyond thought also. But it is her. That's the amazing thing is, you know, she, she um, appears in this way. She appears as if a thought, as if an image, as if a name, right? So it, it, it's, uh, this is like a, a, a tirta, the place that, that's in this world and in the other world, the cross. So this is like, it's, it's the eternal appearing in time. It's the inconceivable appearing as an image, but the image breaks conception right it's not an image here this is this is called each each aspect of the symbol of the uh, represents that which is beyond symbolism so you know we last week we also mentioned like like you have beautiful buddhas it's one thing oh this is a beautiful buddha but then you have buddha becoming a monster right and it forces you to go be i mean you it it, it forces you beyond the image itself although it it, it it doesn't mean that it's not that the that the divine isn't in that image that is an image of the divine right but it's 
the image itself breaks past it. So this is the reason I did a big setup, but it's a, a the next name is peculiar. So <laughs> this is my setup for the word next name or the next verse. I read what we have so far, the first three mantras in English. Fearsome with gaping mouths, freely flowing hair and forearms, the divine Dakshinakali is adorned with a garland of heads. In her left lower and upper hand, she holds a freshly severed head and a sword. Her upper and lower right hand, her upper and lower right hand show the gestures granting fearlessness and blessings. As splendorous as a huge cloud, dark, she wears space as her garment. A garland of heads hangs from her neck, dripping blood. This is, what we, this is that verse we read last. We described last week. Karuna, this is on verse 4 of the Dhyan Mantra, which is 1, 2, 3, 4, which is 9 verses. Karuna, Karuna Vattam Sata Anita, Shava Yugma Bhayankaram, Gora Dhamstram Kararasam, Pino Nata Payodharam. Karuna, Karuna Vattasatta So now it's describing her earrings. And and court court here in in the Western world, in the American world, now it's becoming back back to uh, where earrings are becoming popular amongst men and women both. Uh, in Indian tradition, that was one of the samskar that a young boy one got his ears, young boy and a young girl, one got their ears pierced. Sometime as an infant, at least at the time when they're eight, nine, ten years old, and that was universally practiced at one point. Now it's only remnants in tribal communities and, and South Indian Brahminical communities where men and boys are still pierced. But piercing is very important. And in, in the ceremony of piercing the ears, right, in, uh, during the investiture of the sacred thread, when the ears would be pierced for a young boy, the idea is that they're going off to school now, right? They leave home and they go off to school and they're going to go learn the Vedas from the Guru, right? So their ears are being opened. And there's, believe we believe that there's like pressure points and meridians and marmas and things the equivalent thing like that 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 has some meaning where ears are pierced uh, uh, and then there's there's orders of yogis or piercing of the ears is very important there's the order of the not yogis maybe you've heard of gork not and the not yogi we get hatha yoga from the not yogis and they have a radical practice and i know several not yogis it, to become a not yogi is almost to die you know mm. the initiation is quite dramatic there's a final initiation where they get their ears pierced, but it's not like you know we, my, uh, you know, put up a, a can of soda. My my ears, my ears are pierced with a can of <laughs> can of Hanson soda. Gets the ears, and then <laughs> very simple like this. But this one, they're they're actually sliced open from the top down, ripped open. They call you know, and then brought out like that, and then so they're ripped open, and then they're allowed to heal again, and then ripped open again. <laughs> Right. right, and then, then, uh, the, and then the, the space, then, um, then uh, a solid ring is inserted, right, and then they then they heal around that again. There's some other things actually. I know somebody who's been through it. That people, some people can die from it, just from the shock of it, and the infection naturally can be caused by this, right. And when you ask a not yogi, which I've done, there's not many of them around, but when you ask them, why do you do that, and they stop and they're about, usually they're like, should I answer or not? Then they say, no, I won't answer. We know why we're doing it. <laughs> right, that's usually the answer they give. It's not meant for everybody. You don't need to, you know, are you going to do this? Are you going to be initiated in our lineage? No. Why, why do you need to know it? This is, we, we have we're curiosity. We like to know why they do, why the, the weird, uh, exotic practices of tribal traditions and like that. 
but actually, if you poke a little bit, I'm going to reveal what what can be revealed. Actually, they they said that there's this where the where the ring is put is a big psychic center, mm-hmm. right? And they they believe that they're getting some cities from this, some hearing transcendental sounds and other vision. But beyond that, they won't say. It's from their own practices, right? But also, you also know like oh, that when you see somebody like whoa, they've they've done that. You know, it's not an easy not an easy uh, initiation. This mortification like that. So anyway, so this, so that's a very dramatic. And Shiva wears earrings, but so Ma she also wears earrings, and it's actually we often we use it. Uh, uh, we mention that her Mundamala, her her garland of heads is Vibhushana. She's decorated. She's wearing or supporting the garland of heads or decorated. So this is her earrings or her decoration, and so there's different. One mantra says that she wears the sun and moon as her earrings. That's a very beautiful. There's not this mantra. That's not what this says at all, right? <laughs> but there are mantras described. She wears the sun and moon, and this is very. You can you can imagine what that could be mean if you think in at a, as a yogic interpretation. Oh, this is Ida and Pingala, right? And it's the right one. I have a friend. Uh, 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 she has made in India earrings for herself. One's the sun, one's the moon, <laughs> to, to 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 wear ma, to wear the earrings that Ma has described. In the Devi Bhagavatam, she wears three mantras in her ears, right? Also very beautiful. Right, different things like that. So, so, but here it says, her earrings, actually it says, here it says, her earrings are corpses. So there you go. Her earrings are corpses. Now, that's cool. <laughs> right? But other mantras we are a little more specific. Not just corpses. She doesn't wear, and sometimes, sometimes you'll see some paintings, it's how, how do you represent that in a painting? Often you see, sometimes you'll see like a little dead body hanging over the like hanging over the ear right this is a very very attractive thing right sometimes you'll actually see a large hole in the ear and then threaded through the hole there is a you know a little, little naked man dead body hanging there right but let's get more dramatic this, I mean, this has meaning and it means something beyond itself right we have to think about this it says um what's uh, uh corpses is it embryo embryo corpses even better, right? You can't get more like ghastly than such an image, right? The corpses, embryo, or, or, or fetuses, or, cor- or embryo corpses, right? So this is horrible, right? But we've mentioned Hall's Ma's symbolism is this world of duality, right? And so we have to think of this. Even the sun and moon is representing the world of duality, night and day, right? Right. So, but night and day are not the only two. These are two. We 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 reaffirm this again and again. But this is an important point: that the world we do not we live in a world of duality, but the, we don't. We live in a world of multiplicity, and variety, right? So when we say night and day, these are two extremes from our perspective, right? But what that means is every moment between night and day, and in between day and night, there's a billion uh, varieties. Within, there's unlimited varieties between night and day. Night and day are two extremes. Birth and death, these are two extremes. They're not opposites, they're two extremes of a continuum of every possible moment in life, right? Between sickness and health, there's all kinds of varieties within that, right? Between black and white, there's so many colors and so many shades of gray and colors and things like that, right? So by, 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 by dramatically showing extremes, you actually mean everything, right? And so this is interesting. This image of... of, 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 of um, very ghastly iconographic image, you could say, of of um, although usually in paintings are not ghastly, they're not 
like wow look how they do it you know it's like very interesting how they how they're done it has a mean so it's it's uh what is it a embryo or a what's the other word for uh, fetus. fetus this is before you're born right it's your life before you're born the body before it's born we could say right and a corpse is a body after it's dead right so it's not just beginning and end it's before the beginning and after the end right when there's name adianta shiva he is the beginning of alpha and the omega i am the alpha and the omega right it says right in the bible right a god of the alpha the beginning and the end this is before the beginning and after the end mm-hmm. right there can be nothing before beginning nothing after an end if beginning and end are the beginning of something and the end of something what's before the beginning nothing and what's after the end nothing <laughs> right by language falls apart like that means actually there's something transcendental right the the, the that which is before beginning and after the end is throughout this is the substratum this is the eternal so also birth and death are really big symbols of time right and life and exchange birth what are the the, the modifications of, the, of, of everything according to shankya things are born they grow they decay and they die everything humans uh, 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 mi- microbes and and planets and rocks everything everything you, you you build the microphone you build it it functions a little bit begins to decay and then it's destroyed right it's it, that's the that's the truth of everything right that's the world of time and best described as the are from birth to death from embryo to from womb to tomb to, <laughs> like that's right to use this type of language right from birth to death from womb to tomb um But what's before the womb, or or after the tomb, right? You know, so, so this is this is uh, uh, the the the. It's not it's not a long time ago or a long time in the future. It's not what survives death, right? That we really think of it as like we we believe the soul survives death, right? That's okay to think that way. I mean, that's the way we think. This is a conventional way of thinking, right? But it's actually not correct according to most schools of Vedanta and Tantra. The uh, we don't don't are not born and do not grow, do not change, do not decay, and do not die, and are not reborn, right? The body comes and goes. We are eternal. We're the actually we're the we're the the atman at its purest state is simply the substrat unchanging substratum, right? So we're the unchanging. So she is. Remember, she's the. It's like she, we mentioned all the, the the skulls that she the, the heads that she holds are the different letters of the alphabet. These are expression, and she's the unchanging that like wears them. She holds them. So similarly, this before birth and after death, she holds. She is unchanging, right? And she's decorated by this bushana, right? This is a very strange thing to be decorated. I mean, so, so let's. Of course, this is using very. Um, um, gothic language, right? Halloweeny language, as we sometimes describe. And Kali, we call the devotees like Halloween. You can get, you can, there's skulls and stuff everywhere in the shops. You can buy, it was, you can buy little chocolate skulls. It's great to offer ma. How often can you? The rest of the culture doesn't accept this very, very much. This type of thinking, right? One of the way to think of this idea that she wears it or she's decorated by it, right? Here we could also say, look at Ma. Here she's not wearing human skulls, and I mean she, she I mean she's not wearing a, uh, she's wearing gold 
beautiful gold, uh, South Indian gold jewelry. It's pretty much her, her uh, attempt, classical uh, temple jewelry. She does. She, uh, but so she's wearing it, right? There's a reality beyond what she's wearing. And what she's wearing it is a part that we, oh, how beautiful, right? You know, so this whole world of birth and death, right? And which is beyond, is, is in a certain sense, beyond birth and death. It's that which is, um, uh, it's the, it's the, it's the trend, transcendent. I mean, I guess this word is probably the word, the transcendent reality, the the the, uh, the eternal reality, which is beyond time, not everlasting reality, beyond before. Yeah, the uh, the unchanging reality. Her earrings. Are, so. So sorry. Yes. The whole thing. This whole world is her. Also, this world is her ornament, right? There's a mantra we chant. Used to chant. I forgot it now. I have so many things to chant. But when you, when you, many millions of Hindus chant this. Maybe you, somebody here will know it. I'm forget. If I get the first line, I may be able to finish it. Where when you upon awakening, there's a thing when you awake and you look at your palms and you remember different deities, and then you touch the earth, right? And you and you you beg forgiveness for stepping on the earth. So this is also a form of God, right? And it describes, if I remember, like the rivers are your veins, the trees are your hairs. You know, it's like this is this body, this world is the body, is the manifestation, the external represent of 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 the vine. And therefore, before speak, please forgive me. I'm about to take step on your on this holy body, recognizing every aspect of the of the planet of the world, material, and therefore the material world as a manifestation of the divine, right? And 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 as this decor, this is the way it's expressed. It's the temporal manifestation, temporary manifestation, you could say, right? Uh, and therefore, limited manifestation of the eternal, right? And the nitya and, and the infinite, right? And so they're connected. So intimately connected. They're actually not different. So this is one way to think of it. So one, I'm forgetting, I was trying to remember because we gave a class on the Kali Sasanama where we talked about Ma's earrings. I don't exactly remember what I said. Right, I was trying to remember, and I think I remember echoing in my head, trying to hear my own voice and memory in my head, which is not I'm not the best at that, um, and I couldn't didn't have time to look on to listen to the class again um, today, but I think I remember some sadhu told me right this is a this is oral tradition it it may be textually based also but I don't know I I know it from from an oral tradition that the way this 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 image is interpreted. And it says that from a yogic perspective also, it says before birth, that means in the womb, why is it attached to the ears? Right? Not just the world of duality and right and left, that's one way of thinking of it. It's because hearing, it says this is to remind us or teach us to encode that we can start hearing before we're born. Right? And we believe we can hear after we die. Right, it's important why in Hindu tradition people listen to chanting when they're pregnant. Right, there's a story of Prahlad Maharaj. He heard Om Namo Narayan teachings of Narada Muni, and he was he was born enlightened. Right, he attained all he had to attain at the time of uh, in, in his mother's womb by the company of Narada Muni and the sages. Right, and so we believe that you can that we can I mean, we know. I mean, people who are, I mean, I don't remember the last time I was pregnant, so please forgive me. I have I speak from very limited experience, but people I do know who remember who describe, right? You, they 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 they're from sounds in the in, in the, the 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 infinite the 
the, will respond. They're hearing. At a certain point, they can, they're, they're even responding to the, not just the noises within the mother's body and the mother's voice, but even outside voices. So the chanting and, and, and hearing of spiritual things may have an effect even before birth. Right? And we believe that after death, there's an effect. Right? There's a deep effect. Um, and so what do we do? We, uh, 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 people chant the Gita at the death of a, the very common thing is to chant the Gita when somebody dies or Hanuman Chalisa, or uh, uh, in the Ramakrishna tradition, when a Ramakrishna monk dies, immediately, Hariyom Ramakrishna, Hariyom Ramakrishna, Hariyom, that goes until they're cremated. 24 hours a day, they're chanting, Hariyom Ramakrishna, because that sound will fall. And not only that, then, then if it's, especially if it's a little bit of an important Swami, and there's more ceremony about, then monks will come and start chanting the Vedas and the Upanishads. So chanting, so Hariyom Ramakrishna, and another group is chanting, and then bhajans. Right, Shama Sangeet and Bhajans and Kirtan going on. So it's like the, wherever they go, they're they're surrounded by holy sounds, mm-hmm. right? Because that could be their ultimate goal, right? Um, uh, and also in North India, they, uh, they, when you uh, uh, like, you, uh, do the influence probably of of of, of, of um, Tulsidas, right? And the Tulsidas Ramayana, you got Ramnam Satyahe, Ramnam Satyahe. It's chanted as a, as a body is carried. It means God's, only Ram's name is true or eternal, right? And it's partially for us, as we see in a dead body, to remember God's name is the truth. We're all going to die and God's name is truth. But it's really for the, to the soul that's, been cre- that's, that's being cremated, right? The, whose body is being cremated. The, hold on to the name of God. Listen to the name of God. Say the name of God, right? In Bengal, Haribol, 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 that they carry, Haribol, Haribol. Right, chant God's name, chant Hari, chant Hari, chant Hari. Right, like this. Every tradition will have its own version of this, right? Uh, but the idea is that that the, that we can hear. And I remember in one story, I've told the story. It's a one. It's a great. There's a Vaishnava saint, um, Radharaman Charandev, right? And and uh, uh, he was taking a bath at some some pond, something. And there was a cremation about to start. Some lady was, young woman was uh, being cremated. And the family was already, you know, beginning to light, doing the ceremonies to light. And that saint was about to get out. He told his disciple, his disciple is named um, Nabadvipdas, right? A very faithful disciple. Go and tell them to stop. Tell them I'm coming. Don't let them cremate the body. It's a fantastic story. So you have to take it as you like. But I like the story. And therefore, it's 100% true. Um, and so uh, the, the, the Babaji went and said, please, just wait a few minutes. My Guruji is coming in a few minutes. Please wait. Okay, so the, the the Guruji comes, and he goes up to the body who who's being who's laid on already the funeral pyre, and he goes and grabs the feet and goes Nitai uh, Nitai what is it uh, Nitai Gorade Sham Bajo Hare Krishna Hare Ram. This is the mantra that he chants. Uh, Nitai Gorade Sham worship Nityananda and Goranga and Radha Krishna and chant Hare Krishna Hare Ram. And so the story goes, the corpse opened its eyes and, and sat up, right? It says everybody Kirtan. And so his disciples, you know, began this mantra, 10-15 minutes, and they, okay, bus, they stopped, you let go, little the girl laid back down, okay, now light the fire, right, that, that, you know, somehow or another, the soul is still attached somehow or another and listening, whether or not he literally was a, resur- a momentary resurrection, I don't, I, I don't know what to say about such stories, you know, you know. They're cool. That's all I can say. <laughs> and so they're true in the fact that they're cool. Whether or not literally, I don't know. I wasn't there. <clears throat> cool.
coolness is most is more true than true. I think sometimes so the, the coolness is a very important part of the whole thing. Um, but uh, so we have. I mean, maybe she's heard the holy name, but she needed to hear, and we should listen very attentively, right? And at that time, when she's about to make the final transition or her next transition, she should listen. She should sit up and hear attentively. So she literally sat up and listened attentively to the holy mantra, right? This idea that the, the mantra continues before death, before birth, and after death. Remembering, sorry, the time is okay. Not even the first line. I, I'll certainly I was definitely do two verses today. I got one line of one first verse. Okay. One who meditates on the mantra will get dharma, artha, kama, and moksha. So it's, <laughs> it's not a bad thing to do to meditate a little bit on this. On, on these mantras. Uh, uh, it, uh, in the Prahlad story, there's another text. Of course, we know it's in Bhagavatam, the story is there. There's, all, there's a Nishinga, Nishinga Purana that just describes Nishinga Devlila and Prahlad. And I'm, remember, I'm, I'm not exactly remembering, please forgive me, I'll get the gist of it. But it describes actually when the mother was initiated, not that she heard the mantra like it, when she initiated into the name of Vishnu, that sound gave birth to Prahlad. It's not just that he heard it in the womb, that gave birth to him. That gave birth, birth to, Prahlada means that one who's, Prahlad also means extreme joy, it means Ananda. That's what the name means, Prahlada, right? right? Extreme bliss, right? So it's, a, it's also symbolic, if not actual, of the moment of initiation, right? That, that the, that's why I also connect, perhaps why it's connected to the ears, right? Birth, it, the new birth comes from the, from the mantra itself, right? And then what takes you to the next life, right? Whatever remembers at the time of death, Krishna says, that you attain, when he remembers me, comes to me, right? So it also takes you beyond it's where birth comes from and where death leads you, this holy sound. Could be another possible meaning. I think we can probably, and okay, I can probably finish this first. Her earrings are corpses. Okay, that's good. Now you know. Uh, I read something, looking things up, and I said, oh, it's because Ma wants us to be childlike in our nature. <laughs> sometimes it's sweet, but sometimes I think sometimes they're, they're, you're almost like explaining away the profound nature of, this, of the symbolism of Kali when you make things, such statements, you know. It's true Ma wants us to be simple, childlike by nature, but okay. Shava yugmaya, uh, shava yugma payankaram gora damstram kararasham pinonat piyoradam. So, two points are here. One, it's, it's describing her mouth. And in the Kali Sasama, we spent a lot of time on a whole series of names about her fierce teeth, sharp teeth, fierce teeth, uh, beautiful teeth. Gora damstra, I think, is one of the mantras there, right? Her fierce, horrible teeth, right? And so, you, of course, here, Ma is very beautiful. You know, she's, her teeth are also very beautiful, right? But you see some images of Ma where she has seemingly fierce teeth and a description in other texts, like the Chandi, she has like fangs, right? Described like that. Why? Fierce teeth. What is a fierce teeth? This is death. Actually, teeth, we eat with our teeth. We very rarely kill with our teeth, right? But a lot of animals kill with their teeth. That's their main instrument, right? You have to think fangs are used for killing, Right, you have to think a little bit harshly like this, right? And uh, but there's our memory uh, to put it. In, well, <clears throat> um, 
there's a mantra to Nishingadev, who also is glorified for having Goda Damsa fierce teeth, right, and fierce nails. Also nails, we don't use our nails for killing usually, for scratching and poking and knitting and things like that. Or nowadays for swiping, we use our nails. It's a different world, we, we don't use the same. We've fallen, moved forward or fallen away from our original human nature, animal nature, I don't know how it works, right? Uh, uh, <clears throat> but uh, it's described that there, the Nishingadev, another divine uh, deity with fierce teeth and fierce uh, fangs, fangs and... and, and and, and and claws, thinking that not even nails, claws is a very good word, right? Uh, it's described, it it uh, it describes as like two, like a lioness, perfect symbol for Nishingadev is a lion, right? A lioness mouth is death to its prey, right? But is a, a, a protection to its cub, and you see when a, a, a female lion grabs the neck of a, of a club, it just Yes, you know, like there's almost I think there's even like a physiological response that just like you can pick up a dog that way also and they, they immediately because they it, it goes back to where their mom carried or their mom's supposed to have carried them if they're like this, you know. So it's the same same mouth is so is it horrible or not? it's it depends on who it's after, right? And so her fierce teeth could be and the chandi it's after the demons grinding demons to, to, uh, into dust, right? And it describes like that her. She uh, she pounds him with her club and grinds him with her teeth and she, you know like, and laps their blood with her tongue. I mean, it gets really dramatic and the chandi especially gets very uh, uh, tremendous uh, description, right? <clears throat> but in the Kali Sasanama and that cluster of names, one of the things is that her her teeth are connected to time, right? Time is 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 the thing that's 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 uh, destroying our life. Right, uh, so it's not just that, not just against her prey, or against the enemies, everything is being devoured. Right, Sri Ramakrishna had a very it's appropriate for this topic of embryos and corpses. Right, I think there's a, there's a punk band name in there somewhere. I'm not sure, but <laughs> <laughs> anyways, <clears throat> uh, 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 he had a vision where he saw a woman come out of was Kali, but he saw a woman come out of the Ganga and in front of her give birth to a child. And the child grew up and then the woman ate the child and went back into the, into the Ganga. Like, whoa, that's something. <laughs> right? And, you know, right? That was the full thing. That's Mother Nature. That's, that, that's divine. You know, she gives birth to everything and she devours everything. She gives, she's birth and she's death and everything in between. Right? We don't like to see like this, but that's the fact. Right? So this, is, so this mantra describes her her gaping mouth and fierce teeth, right? But it also says, and her with her full breast, she has her her breasts are full. She holds full breasts. So the full breast here, this is a symbol of, of course, in Western culture, we uh, sexualize everything, right? But here it refers to primarily motherhood. Right, and actually, there's a there's a uh, important I mentioned it in our in our Sasanama classes. We have some good work being done outside, in our Sasanama classes, that uh, there's a text, an important Kali text that most of you shouldn't read, and you won't be able to read, you won't be able to find it, but it's called the um, Kapura Stotram or Kapurari Stotram, I think Kapurari Stotram. It's one of the classical texts on for Kali worship, especially Dakshina Kali, and one of the important Dakshina Kali mantras comes from it. 
Dakshinakalike, like one particular mantra that's there, um, long form. But it gives very strange, it gives a tantric description how to do sadhana for Kali. I'm going to give you, initiate you all into the cool secret tantric sadhanas for Kali. Right? You go into the in midnight, into the cremation ground, right? and you, with, with your unbound hair, completely naked, right? uh, uh, um, uh, and in union with your shakti. It means obviously with your wife or woman or husband like this, some sexual union, right? and you chant this mantra. So that's what it says. Right? And so, oh, great. Excuse me. <laughs> it's getting dark. <laughs> we're going around, now we're ready to go, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But then the commentaries, there is very classical comment on what it means. And it's unusual because usually in Tantra, you'll say difficult, secret things in, in, common, in common language. But this is actually saying a common thing in, 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 in secret language. Right? Because it, what it is, it describes what's midnight. Right? Midnight is between night and day. Right? Which means between Ida and Pingala. Which means in Shushumna. Right, this is Ida Pingala, Shishumna. So we I mean deep, deep when in midnight is in Tantra, the place of, of, of Shishumna Nadi is open, right? And so that's between night and day, right? That's how it's understood, right? Between two days, you could say, you know, right? Smashan, it is Smashan, the cremation ground, which will come in the next verse probably, or in a couple of verses, in the next verse, I think. Uh, uh, this is Brahman. Right in Brahman, all name and form disappear. So go into Brahman, in the center of the Shushumna, right in the center of Shushumna, uh, with hair down. Un, uh, means without any anxiety. Hair in this commentary is means anxiety, thinking things that are attached to the brain. You know, pull your we don't pull your hair over it. Don't do, you know we use that yeah. pulling my hair out. So stressed, you know, without anxiety, right? Naked means without any covering, without any mental construct construct. And then it says with union with your Shakti. So, swashakti, right? Swashakti could mean, it's from the man's perspective, with your wife, right? Could mean that, that's how it's like that. Swashakti means your own shakti, your shakti. And if all this language is about kundalini, it means in union with your kundalini. But then there's another line, it says, with your large-breasted, wide-hipped shakti. Now, maybe your wife is not large-breasted or, or wide-hipped or from the male side like this. What this means, motherly. So she is the, that Shakti is the mother. Of, the commentary is given. It's not. I'm not making. I'm not trying to spin a weird verse. This is the very people who gave the verse gave the commentary of, of, of understanding of this verse, right? It's, it's, in, it's in the text itself, hinted in the text itself, right? It's using this tantric. So it also gives an idea. This this commentary on this important tantric text gives a view that this Shakti, this power behind everything, is not just mother and it, oh, it's my mother, my loving, affectionate mother. It's partly. Mother meaning the one who gave birth to everything and one that nourishes everything. We nature, Pakriti itself, is giving birth to us. But to speak of the transcendent from which name and form spring, right? Uh, but even material nature itself, which is her, is our mother, right? It's it's full of potency. It's full of um, uh, 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 uh. yeah. It's giving birth to everything. Full of life, right? Sri Ramakrishna, there's this. Sri Ramakrishna told the story. Where a young boy became a brahmachari, a story I think in the Gatha, it must be in Katamrita. I'm not exactly remembering, but I know Sri Ramatuas told the story. Um, a young boy becomes a monk young, right? And a young, he loses his family, and some sadhu takes him, and we can give him better, like he, some sadhu stole him from his family, and <laughs> most likely, let's assume that uh, he, he lost his family, and some sadhu sometimes take like that. And so they went begging. 
right? Because you're supposed to sadhus go and you beg from door to door. It's called madukari. You go Narayana Hari and you wait a little bit. You wait 15 minutes to see if, uh, if anybody comes to be food. And you go to the next house. Narayana Hari, Narayana, called Madukari. Right? And so when uh, they came, uh, uh, a, uh, um, a woman came out, a young woman came out. And the boy, being in the monastery, has not much experience of uh, family life and has been away from living in the forest like that. He says, there seemed, what's, what, what's, what's wrong with that girl? The woman who came to the door, right? Because she had breasts. And the, and, and the guru said, no, you see, I might get the story wrong. Please forgive me if I get a little bit wrong. The point will be there. He says, oh, eventually she'll become a mother. If, or if she becomes a mother, let's say, right? God has made arrangements to feed the child, right? Through, uh, in, in this way. And the boy, the little boy said, I'm going to stop begging. And he stopped begging. Right? He said, if, if God, if Mother Nature has provided, even before a child's born, provided milk in its mother's breast, then I'm, my needs will be provided. I don't need to go begging anywhere. She'll provide everything for me. Right? A very beautiful story. But the idea that mom's provided, that the, the symbol of here is that the fierce teeth and the, the, and the nurturing, feeding breast. Right? Mother Nature is like that. She creates everything and she destroys everything. She gives birth and she gives death. The whole thing, right? It's a very um, profound thing. Her gaping mouth revealed fierce teeth, and her breasts are full. How time is it? Okay, a little bit longer. Shavanam karasangatahe kritkanchim hasamukim. So to 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 extend the image of um of a uh, of a um, corpses and the like. So Ma wears a garland of what's her what's her beautiful jewelry? A garland of heads and skulls, earrings of corpses, and she has a girdle, right? So what's her girdle? Hands, right? And some paintings will do the arms, arms and hands. This is, you know, you may have seen some paintings have this. Uh, the arms of corpses have been fashioned into her girdle. So that's a very, uh, another uh, a strange uh, halloween type description. But we're already, we're already working. This is the image. This is that the, the image that was being presented of Ma, right? Of of the imminent and the transcendent, right? And the scriptures give hints of what these hands are. These hands are uh, uh, hands. What hands represent in iconography? What the hands represent? Hands represent power, right? Action, karma, and karma pal, the results of karma. The results of karma means both action and the results of action. That's what karma means. Karma and kalpa. We use the word karma. What's your karma? But actually, action means. So we use we use it in both ways. In, in, in English translation, I don't know whatever of karma, right? So the hands re- represent all action. This is how it's usually given in in, in, in the commentaries of of uh, this iconographic image, right? But she's wearing them just like she wears it. So. All actions, these are again the in the ro- in the world of time and space, in the world of, 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 of in the in the manifest world, all actions like that. But she's where she is beyond action. She's wearing that, she's a substratum for that. Also, she's wearing them as a girdle, right? And so a girdle is a very a, a, a little bit of a private thing. You know, you cover your privates with, with this type of thing, right? Um, 
what we consider we use a word private because it's private you know it's it's usually hidden guya guya um so it, all actions are actually intimately hers right there that it's a very interesting and also the 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 corpses are sometimes described as demons it's like we use like the, the the heads of corpses or the heads of demons as we mentioned because once it's in manifestation it's become in a certain sense already impure because it's temporary and not lasting you know it's no longer like that so all actions are also in that realm but also cut off also means they're also temporary all actions are also temporary this is giving trying to give meaning to a peculiar symbol but this is the meaning that that has been given by by yogis right um in dakshinishwar and i call him under also ma does not have a girdle of severed hands right as far as we the tradition says that rani rasmani didn't um when she had the image made and she asked that the image not include this detail she has a garland of head she has a severed head she has all the other things right but not the girdle is because she says she did not want that uh, ma is so pure her attitude towards her is her mother right no demon could touch her right no man can even touch her you know touch her intimate like this you know that there was his that that she was untouched but that's also very untouched by human hands <laughs> right you know the, but when i gave the talk on the hands i believe if i remember properly um um i if i remember in, in my notes i had only one thing in my notes deep repercussions it was just my own contemplation not not prashastra right because it also means that all all of our actions are are touching her right she's beyond it she's transcendent to it but still we're touching her we're touching her body so that changes all of our action good and bad any action good or bad is to her it's by her she's a shakti it is her but it's also to her this consciousness changes everything how you how you um interact with every, everything we touch imagine this is touching her body every you know this is one of the what you could say this is what she's saying with the symbol perhaps of of the hands the skirt of her, of her hands and so how we touch is important and demons in, in the in the um chandi uh, verse i always quote uh, both gods and demons touch your feet your feet right everyone's touch because not only do god are, the devas worship kali and so do the demons worship kali it's not just because in that sense but there's only her everything is her feet everything is her body everybody's you're only touching her everyone's only touching her there's another meaning not just that she's worshiped by both gods and demons the obvious meaning but there's a, a more subtle meaning that there's nothing else to touch right and should we touch her like a god or should we touch her like a demon that's the question that changes your this is the the deep repercussions that were in my notes right mm-hmm. those like, like you know how to touch her with like uh, uh um what's another um she kills demons and she embraces children her children the demons are also children but you know what i'm talking about just like that lion whose teeth are both uh death for the for the prey and blessing for the uh for the for the child right for a cub so this, so do we want to be we can we can approach her like a child a pure child so then a child hold on to its mother grabs on to its leg pulls on the sari you know it's like it's not but if a stranger does this sort of thing or a bad person or a lustful person or an angry person or a violent person an unknown person 
grabs somebody's leg. You swat them with your purse, right? You call the police. You kick them. You, you know, you, you know. I mean, somebody grabs some unknown person grabs you, right? Or somebody grabs you inauspiciously. What do you do? Somebody tries to control you. Naturally, immediately you strike. You strike back. You fight, right? But a child grabs you. It's like oh, like okay. <laughs> there's a there's a difference, right? Uh, there's a, that story of um, of Dropody. Um, that she was being uh, um, uh, her she was being disrobed in the public court and of course we know the story she prayed to Krishna and Krishna gave her unlimited cloth to protect her modesty right right there is a modern writer whose name I'm forgetting please forgive me but can be found uh, who made a comment on this uh, he says that that in the stories not trying to be in the romantic version of the stories Yudhisthira, her husband, right? Uh, uh, the the same the same sari that was being ripped off by 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 scoundrels, right? That wouldn't come, that wouldn't that couldn't come off because Krishna was protecting. In one sense, that same sari came right off for her husband, because the relationship is different. One's out of love, and the other is out of even the same theoretic act. One is pure, one is impure. The attitude makes a difference, right? A child grabbing. Or a, or, or a, 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 a violent person grabbing, a, a husband, a wife touching, or a stranger touching. You see the big difference, or a, a, a scoundrel or touching, right? So we're all, think about that, that this symbol means that we're only touching her, right? Uh, even if it's temporary, and, we're and she's the eternal, but that changes our consciousness considerably, if you think about this, that everything is only touching only touching her. We want to touch like a demon or a deva, like a child, a known person, you know. It be, it's different, you know. And you see, we've seen, maybe you've also seen, if you've known saints, great yogis, Zen monks and nuns, you see them, you know, the, the old joke is, you know, it's like, you know, how they serve a cup of tea. One of the, the one Zen, we call her Venerable Zen Lady, I forget her, we forget her name, who was a guest speaker at the Vedanta Society years ago in, in, in Olima, I believe. Right, she was, at, a guest speaker came and she was a beautiful, wonderful uh, uh, Western nun. And so before she, she came up to the podium to give her talk and she served herself a glass of water first, you know. And then she said, oh, it's, now I've given my talk. Right, of course, that's a very Zen, <laughs> clever Zen thing to say. <laughs> right, but it's, that was the point, right? She did that with such consciousness. She was demonstrating how to serve a glass of water, you know. And then, uh, of course, she talked about awareness and, and mindfulness and all that other thing. Uh, but, or it's described as Swami Shivananda. Swami Shivananda was big, big-bodied, right? But Swami Krishnananda said he's, we never saw him, like, spill something or misplace his glasses, or put something like that. Oh, everything was in his perfect because he everything was divine, and every action was conscious. And and you know he this is this is divine, and that is divine. And how do I treat it? Is is your is your puja, not just how you ring the bell and ring and, and wave the light. How you do? How you serve glass of water? How you serve each other? How you everything? How how uh, is is every, all action is touching only her, and it's it's her doing also. Right, but it's but as long as we're attached, as long as we're identified with it, what we how we do is very very important. Time okay.
I did get these two verses in. The arms of corpses have been fashioned into her girdle. Her face, Shikadagarakta, Kutta Kanchim Hasamukam. Her, her, uh, this, this, this mantra. I give it a very simple. This is an old translation. I have to read. I have to read. Take a better go at it in modern. Am I more with new, new uh, attention? This is a very long time translation. So I only give in the gist, but actually it's describing, like, like a uh, very exact like her smile and how how open her mouth is and what you know it's describing, like the the way an image would be carved or painted, right? But just of it is that her it simply says her face shines, or her smile. She's smiling, has this type of idea, but it's, but the idea that she's with all this, she's shining. That's a beautiful thing. Shining with beauty, right? Corpses. Severed arms, severed heads, swords, <laughs> embryos, the whole thing, right? Still, she's shining with beauty, smiling, actually, right? But very interesting, from this shining radiant face smiling face right still with her smile right it says galarakta uh, dhara that from the corners of her mouth are dripping red drops meaning blood <laughs> so this is the very it's a little vampire not meant to be vampire you know, that's, not, that's not the image right but what does it mean you have to think of like that that still of course we talked last week about blood and blood is that symbol of prana right of, of life Right, blood, you know, light, your life blood, we even say it like that. And the offering of blood in, in, in the old sacrificial tradition, the offering of life itself, you know. And we do it symbolically with red cloth and red flowers and red kumkum and red, red, all these types of red flags and red strings and all that type of stuff, rather than actual blood, red flower. We use hibiscus instead of, you know, <laughs> instead of goats, <laughs> you know. But the red, red is a color of prana, right? And so prana is. Blood is a symbol of death, but it's not the symbol of death, it's a symbol of life, right? So we think, oh, blood is a symbol of death, it's a ghastly, but actually, it's, it's and iconographically, blood is a symbol of life, not of death. And so, even the smile and this radiance and all this symbolism, which seems to be death like, right? With garlands, severed heads, dripping blood, like, but still, blood means it's full of life, it's prana, she's manifesting it, right? Her radiance, that, that face was just radiating divinity, radiating uh, her face shining, her whole body shining. It's shining as and through all these symbols of temporariness. Heads and skulls and embryos and all these things, all the symbols of, of life and death. Right? All these things is like a head is a symbol of life and death. A severed head is life and death. Right? Uh, you know, each thing is that of the whole temporary manifested um, dynamic world, birth, death, life, everything. She, she's shining as that, right? As the temporary, right? Through the temporary. I guess both of through the temporary and as the temporary. She's the source and the thing. Um, she's guna maya, guna She's both, the, she's the gunas. She creates the gunas and she is the gunas, right? Sri Ramakrishna gave the example of the, of the spider who uh, creates a web out of itself and then lives in the web, right? You know, she, she, she is that, maybe, I mean, this is the way I understand this image. 
because this, tr this trickling red drops is giving a hint. It's not just meant to be scary or gas ghastly or vampire-y. It's much deeper, I think. <laughs> We're not worshiping the divine vampire. <laughs> there are religions of vampirism, but this is not <laughs> as far as I'm not one of them. So these are these are heavy. It's a heavy image, right? But also, it's not a look how beautiful she is. It's not a heavy image at all. Not, I'm 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 over dramatizing because of Texas things like this, right? But but actually, we're meant even though we don't we don't actually think of her this way. We don't focus. Oh my God, look at Ma's gleaming sword, or look at her look at her uh, severed head. That's not the most important part. But it's behind her. That's also there. We see what do we see? Oh, she's the mother. She's my mother. She's the divine feminine. She's the source of everything, the nurturer, the creatrix, the embodiment of everything. She is everything. We give all the type of thing. But all these symbols are that. They're representing all those things we think about her. We can think about them just as devotional sentiments. God is like this. My, God, my mother is like this. Right? We can also represent those very things iconographically through symbolism of all these things. This is what it means. And, and that's actually one of the points of iconography and, 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 and Hinduism uses symbols to the uses visual symbols like no other right uh, uh, what other traditions describe the theology of most religions is given in texts scriptural texts and philosophical theological descriptions are 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 are, are, are ramifications of those texts right right in hinduism that's i mean we have thousands of texts there's no doubt but those texts are mostly about these symbolism <laughs> they're not about the philosophical point they're about the, the the story right and so the same subtlety and even more uh, theological uh, revelations in hinduism is primarily shown through stories and shown through these images so we can say oh ma is all loving ma is the transcendent she's the source of everything if iconographically her skulls her head her trickling blood all that rep is showing those very things Right, many arms mean all power. We've talked about this. Many eyes, all knowing. You know, we can say, "Oh, God's all knowing," and we know that because the Scripture says that. And Saint Augustine has commented on this, and modern thinkers are are are, are commenting on Saint Augustine's point and changing it in the modern world. And you know, we can like like that. Or you, here she is. That that's also saying it. This is what this is. This is what this image is. Right. Uh, so it's not just uh, yeah, very very profound. She's. In the Chandi, this ghastly form should end. Uh, that when Ma appears so violently, I mean, described also with, with her uh, um, ribs poking through her skin and, and not beautiful like this, but, but, but sagging skin and, uh, and fa you know, just described horribly. Right, and then years ago, when devotee uh, yogi was given a talk on the chandi, right, and he read this section from the chandi over Navaratri, and Sadananda, I remember, raised his hand. He goes, "But we don't see her that way, right? Even that's not the way she looks here." And he says, "Oh, because you're not a demon." <laughs> that was a beautiful answer, right? Because that's a, that's a beautiful thing. It's like to a demon, she's death. Right, look at Prahlad Maharaj in Nishingadev. Right, in the classic, that wonderful painting that hangs at the Hare Krishna temple, right? You know, this ripping, literally, Nishingadev is 
ripping the the intestines out of uh, out of Hiranyakashipu, and the son of Hiranyakashipu is like, oh, how beautiful. <laughs> this is not even if your dad's or even if you hate your dad, it's like that's not the proper response <laughs> to watching your dad be disemboweled by a giant lion, you know, <laughs> like right in front of you. Right, actually, he's, he's, and he's trying to, like, in the middle of all this, he's making, Nishingadev is making a garland of entrails, and, and Prahlad is trying to put a flower garland, trying to figure out in between the entrails how to get the garland on him, you know. Now, either that's a ridiculous thing, but actually it's a very profound thing. He's, what is he seeing? That divine reality, to a devotee, that's what he loves, or what she loves, right? Mm-hmm. To a demon, represented in, not just like, you're a demon, not that type of demon, Jaima, um, the, the 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 ego here represents the encrusted self-obsessed self-important ego that wants to be god instead of love god right the reality that god's god and not our stupid false sense of self and kingdom that we think we've built that realization is death right you get you do you get that the the confrontation with the divine reality like of the divine of the divine reality you, to the ego, that gets ripped apart, and so it describes his like chiseled like um, uh, uh, claws on the chiseled like claws on the stone like heart of Hiranyakashipu, right? So, if you have a stone, like how do you open a knot tied in stone, right? You can't untie it, right? A, a loosely t- uh, nylon little knot, little bow. You can just pull the two little things and it comes right undone. Right? So a devotee is like that, hopefully. We want all, we want we're trying to prepare ourselves so that God can with his big claws can just <laughs> or her big sword, just yeah, very easy. It's not a, it doesn't have to be a painful operation, right? But to a stone like to something tied so tight, they won't come undone. Somebody whose whose desire is to liberate, to open to open the heart, to to untie that knot. What, how, what, the only tool to be used is the sword, or the claws, or the fangs, right, or the spear, you know, this is like, it's also, even these, these seemingly ghastly, violent type of, quote-unquote, ugly forms, which we don't see them, even if you see paintings, I see, I have like, in my big collection of Kali paintings, there's some paintings like that, that are painted to be very scary, right, and descri- exactly describing verses from the Chandi, but you're like going, wow, cool, Right, we don't find them scary at all or ugly at all, right? Because, of course, that's not how we see her, but it's cool that, that to darker parts of it, we want the darker parts of ourselves to be swallowed up and cut open, right? Maybe not too much, but we kind of want. <laughs> We're open to the idea, at least, you know? So, anyway, so we want to approach like a child, and, and, the, and we see her beautiful form, although it's described in such uh, uh, strong images right but you can see all of us look at her and we're not scared of her because we see even with all these things we see her sh- her smiling face shining through of course there's also this is unique to dakshinishwar of course not only dakshin dakshinishwar is such a beautiful colleague she's so benign but so powerful you realize in that little room above peter's head right little nine by nine room or 12 by 12 i forget how big the room is probably nine by nine i think it's a small space right you feel the entire universe is being run and manifested out of that little room, you know. Tremendous power, right? The power, not, you know, not a power, the power. 
but so beautiful, shining with radiant beauty and divinity, right? And of course, we hope and we this is our feeling and our experience that a spark of that is also here, right? So uh, uh, that the, the beauty aspect of Ma, her face. Uh, this is the one that out of all all the details in this, most of the details are carved in this image, right? But the one that I think that shines the most is her face shines, right? With the you know that her beauty and divinity. Today, today I don't know. Maybe could Christmas break. We've had like six or seven new families come today, right? We've never been here. They're like, wow. We forget because we come and go. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Jai Ma, Jai Wa Ma. You know, like we we've kind of a we're accustomed to being amazed, but and therefore no longer exactly amazed. You know, but people come for the first time, or people who who are sent to. Who are ma devotees from childhood or something like that to like they get overwhelmed and also interesting today not judging people because everybody comes with a different reason we've had people come today and they come in and they're like you know it's like yeah, oh come in they have no idea where to look this is the ma and and they're and then like walk walk around and walk back out again you know that whatever there's no wow <laughs> right they're 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 not seeing with those eyes but they came here ma ma saw them so maybe it has some purpose right but i'm always amazed like i don't think they saw anything <laughs> but i i can also walk through the temple and not see anything so it's a good reminder that we should uh not see like a tourist but see like a like a, a darshan is not is is a deeper scene not just a, a glancing like a, a it's a exchange you know deep deep exchange Okay, I think enough of this nonsense. Thank you for your kind attention. We say a few. Uh, 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 please forgive my my. These are foolish words about something about the infinite. What can be said? You know, we we were giving these beautiful things to meditate upon, and we're told, medit one who meditates on these things, right? Dharma, artha, kama, and siddhartam attains a goal. Whatever the goal, whatever our goal in life, including the highest goal. Right, we can attain. We can attain that spiritual perfection also by such meditation. Hari Om Tat Sat. Thank you. All right.